Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. Welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Westminster Shorter Catechism, Question 103. What do we pray for in the third petition? Answer. In the third petition, which is, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we pray that God, by His grace, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in all things as the angels do in heaven. Scripture Proof Psalm 19, verse 14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me today for Theology Thursday, and today I'm going to be discussing this chapter, chapter 19, Westminster Confession of Faith, with my friend Keith, who I know from my time in Turkey. So say hi, Keith. How y'all doing? I'm Keith. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually still here in Turkey right now, um, and <clears throat> I'm a Christian man, you know, uh, I love Jesus, you know what I'm saying, man, like, he's done so much for me in my life, man, like, like, he's, he's here with me every step of the way, you know, and I've seen him move a lot of mountains in my life, so I'm just grateful to be here. Amen, yep, and that's the good thing about Turkey, you know, is that because of being stuck there on the base, I know you guys can leave base a little bit now, but being stuck there for the most part on the base, at least for me, it really helped me to like get my focus more than ever on Jesus, which I thought was awesome. Yes. Amen. Man. For real. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk today through chapter 19 of the Westminster confession of faith and it's on the law of God. So it kind of, um, I've been going through this and I've just been kind of discussing it. Uh, every week and so now we're to this chapter about the law so i'll just read number one here paragraph one and then we can discuss it so paragraph one god gave adam a law as a covenant of works he required adam and all his descendants to obey this law individually completely perpetually and in precise accordance with its provisions god promised life for keeping it and threatened death for disobeying it. He gave man the power and the ability to keep it. So do you have any initial thoughts on that one? Um, I think like when I read it for the first time, I just thought about, you know, like God didn't, you know, I don't want to get too far into what we're going to discuss, but, <clears throat> you know, like when you look at the Ten Commandments compared to what God gave, God gave um, Adam and Eve in the beginning, he just told him not to eat of, of the tree of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know what I'm saying? Like he gave him one commitment. It was simple, you know what I'm saying? But you know, if, you, yep. know, you know, like he didn't give them like something that was like so hard not to do it. Plus he gave them so much more other fruit and so many other trees they could eat of besides that one. You know? It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And like he, um, and I, I just liked how in this it said, you know, cause a lot of times people like, they want to be like, well, I think I did like good enough. Like I tried to keep the law for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so I like how in this he said, you know, because in the beginning, like there was the covenant of works that we could get to heaven, humans could get to heaven by obeying the law of God. Mm -hmm. 
but then it makes it so it says, you know, it has to be, you have to individually obey it. You have to completely obey it, perpetually obey it. And then it says in precise accordance with its provisions, meaning like you have to obey it to the letter of the law. There's no like bending the rules or anything, you know, like they couldn't have just taken a little taste of the fruit and been okay still. Like they had to follow it exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And just to your point, like they were, they were, they, they were meant <clears throat> to live forever in God's presence. You know what I'm saying? You know, and like that was, that was a promise. Yeah. And they were going to have life, you know, but, and then, yeah, they surely died. You know what I'm saying? Like they only lived, man. Like they only lived like a decimal of the time that they could have lived if they would have been obedient. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing is, is that you know, before the fall, it, we think about you know, like how it's hard for us to go even a couple minutes all the odd times without sinning, mm-hmm. and um, but it says here, you know, he gave man the power and ability to keep that law. So before the fall, before they ate that fruit, they actually were able to say no to sin. Like they did that. They ate of that fruit completely under their, like they knew what they were doing. It's not like us before we're Christians where we're dead in our sins, you know? So, and it's just, it's crazy to think that I would almost say that their rebellion was, I mean, I don't want to say theirs is worse than ours because our rebellion is terrible against God, but they did it like when they were actually still alive and still united to God, they chose to sin and turn away from him. I think, I think you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that is, that's super powerful, you know, because like, you know, it talks about in Romans five about how, how great the trespass of Adam was, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then yeah. looking at the, looking at the righteous deed of Christ, you know what I'm saying? Like how, how huge that was, you know, like just thinking, they, they had it all going for them. You know, it's like they were in God's presence. They knew God. Like they, they had the school. All right. So chapter two, or I'm sorry, paragraph two, it says, after the fall, this law continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness, and was given as such by God on Mount Sinai in the Ten Commandments, written on two tablets. The first four commandments establish our obligation to God and the remaining six are obligations to human beings. All right. You got any initial thoughts on this one? Uh, so I'm just, I'm just looking at um, the 10 commandments right now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was going to say, I think that it's interesting, you know, it said, this law continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness Mm -hmm. because you think of it, like I've always thought of it like, okay, Adam sinned and then, you know, that was like broken or whatever. And then there really wasn't anything until like the law came around, but that's not really true. Like there was still an expectation of this perfect righteousness, even between the fall and when the law came, you know, or the 10 commandments came. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just powerful, you know, just looking at, looking at, you know, like, you shall not, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the, take the name of the Lord your God in vain, um, you know, to observe the Sabbath, you know, and then, you know, just like looking at the other ones, you shall not murder. And 
you should not have committed adultery. It just makes me think about, you know, like, thinking about the whole, you know, like, Christ talks about, someone asked him, you know, like, what are the two greatest commandments, you know, and he said, these two are the whole sum of everything, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, you know what I'm saying? And, like, you know, and just like what it said, you know, like, when you, you know, like, the whole, the whole Ten Commandments is loving God first, and then the other six are for, for your neighbor, you know. So, and like that's what it was about. Like you mm-hmm. have to love God the most. He has to be, he has to be the most important in your life, you know. And then, and then you mm-hmm. love the same way that you love yourself. So it's, yep, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, there's a thing people call like the first four. They call it the first tablet of the law, and then the next they call it the second tablet. The next six. And, um, oh, are you there still? What was that noise? Um, that was just a missed call. My you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, anyways, the, uh, and the next six, you know, they call it the second tablet of the law. And, um, I've noticed that in a lot of like evangelical American Christianity, people really want to focus on like the second tablet, you know, like, um, oh, let's make sure you know, like trying to do good, like love your neighbor and all that stuff, which is really important. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think that we spend so much time focused on that, that a lot of times we don't spend, we don't put the enough like due diligence and like enough um, emphasis on the first tablet of the law. And I would say that if you're not loving God correctly, like in accordance, if you're not like obeying the 10 commandments of the first four of them, you know, or striving to, I should say, um, and actually spending time loving God, mm-hmm. then it's impossible to actually love your neighbor correctly. Amen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, man, and, I, no, no, go ahead, my bad. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I, man, I 100% agree with that, you know what I'm saying? Because like, you have to, you have to realize who God is. You have to have an encounter with God and stuff. You have to really be like, this is who God is. Like, this is how... You know, and you know, the one thing I don't feel like, you know, and just to your point, one thing I feel like we don't talk about as Christians is falling in love with Jesus. That is what it's about. Yeah. Like we have to be in love with him. Like, he has to be our first love. You know what I'm saying? We have to love him more than everyone yeah. and everything else. And, you know, you know, and then just like somebody, hey, you should have no other gods before me, you know? And, like, that's just, that's not just the God that, that, and that, that, that the Israelites made back in the Old Testament. Like, that's like, TV that's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, making people gods, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's all these other things that we make gods, but we have to be like, no, no, God, God has to be on the throne of my life at all times. His, his, his word has to be on my heart. He, he has to be the one that I long to talk to first thing in the morning, who I long to talk to before I go to bed, you know, like we have to really, we, we have to really fall in love with him, man, you know, and like that's just by praying, by fasting, by reading the word, by by understanding his characteristics, understanding who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think that, you know, that stuff, it's called the uh, means of grace, you know? Mm. And uh, I think the reason that it's called that is because as you do those things, like you spend time in prayer, you're, you know, reading the Bible, you're spending time with believers, you're fasting, like all of that, you experience these like god's grace in your life you see it more clearly and clearly and that's what causes you to have that you know like to actually fall in love with jesus 
and to be able to like truly say from your heart, like, I love you, God, like, I love you, Jesus comes from actually spending time with him in those things. So, man, yeah. Like, just to that point, like, I, man, like, I agree with that so much because, you know, you know, it says in the word, we love him because he first loved us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, that's what we have to yeah. really, that's what we have to really pray for God to reveal to us. Like, man, like, God, show me how much, show me how much you love me. You know what I'm saying? And, oh my God, man, you know, it's like talking about like those means of grace that those means of mercy, you know, like God, God, man, like God showers down grace and mercy on us every day. Like we, we do not get what we deserve at all. You know what I'm saying? Like day by day, I, I make mistakes on the regular, but God is always protecting me. And like his word is, man, his word is true. And it, and it's so amazing yeah. to see, see his love displayed in your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's go on to three here. Um, in addition to this law, ordinary called, ordinarily called the moral law, it pleased God to give the people of Israel, as a pre-Christian assembly of believers, ceremonial laws containing many typical ordinances. Some of these ordinances pertain to worship and foreshadow Christ, his grace, actions, sufferings, and the benefits to be had from believing in him. The rest of these ordinances contain various instructions about moral duties. All of these ceremonial laws are now nullified under the New Testament. Hmm. I really like that. I, I um, didn't really notice this before, but just how it talks about in there, how some of those ordinances, like, you know, the whole, the whole ceremonial laws and everything, that's all like fulfilled in Christ. So we don't fall under them anymore. However, they are still important. A lot of people don't understand like really the importance of the old Testament, but just like what it says here about how they foreshadow Christ, you know, and then like his grace and actions and suffering and the benefits that, that we get from them. um, I think that really just helps to see the, the point of the old Testament, you know, to us. Yeah. I mean, like, Yeah, just seeing like, I th- just, I don't know, go ahead, my bad. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I just was going to say, I think that, um, you know, it's easy to, when you look in that old, te- in the Old Testament, like if you don't see it through the lens of Christ mm. to feel so like uh, um, inadequate, like I can never keep all of this, you know, like in our modern society, we don't even do a tiny fraction of all of those things, you know, but anyways, what were you going to say? Um, Just... Man, like just thinking about like, I mean, you know, like, I really like how it how it said it's it's foreshadowing to Christ. You know what I'm saying? I like, think about you know like when they were um when they would kill the kill the blameless animal. You know what I'm saying? Like that the um animal without spot. You know like um mm-hmm. you, know, you know you know like the pure animal, the the young animal. Like they would kill that animal, and that would be for their sin offering. You know what I'm saying? Like that would and the blood of the animal would atone for their sins, you know what I'm saying? And like now us who are in Christ, you know what I'm saying, we we know that Christ is that lamb for us. He is the one whose blood was shed on, on for for our behalf. Um and just seeing like that that's what I love about the, you know, because like you you'll you'll see like a lot like a lot of excuse me, New Testament writers like Paul and Peter and um John, they all point back to the old testament, you know what I'm saying? Like they 
They are saying mm-hmm. this is how, this is why this is this is so because of what God was saying in the past. You know, like so much prophecy is fulfilled in the New Testament. You know, and then like guys that look like this is this is how these two things tie together. Like this is how I made this happen through Christ. Um, you know, and like just seeing all those yep. things, it's amazing. Feeling like this is the beginning, and. Mm-hmm. These are the words that God spoke and said, "Hey, this is gonna come to pass." And then in the New Testament, you see it actually come to pass. Yeah, exactly. And even you know, like um, I, I don't know if you know this, but the uh, the term like scapegoat. If you say that somebody's your scapegoat or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that comes from the Bible, where they where the priest would um, they take a a goat, I think, yeah, a goat, and they'd put their they lay their hands on it and they would confess their sins or the sins of Israel and everything on it once a year. And then they would send it out into the wilderness. And the idea was, is that there, you have this like spotless, no, you know, lamb or goat without blemish or everything on it. And then you send it out in the wilderness and it has, it's like taking all of your sins and taking them away from you, you know? And so you talked about the sin offering and how that's an example of, um, our offering or Christ, I mean, offering himself on the tree for our sins. But then there's also the fact that, you know, Christ lived that active life of obedience. Like he's perfectly obedient to God. And then he became our scapegoat. All of our sin and everything was placed on him. So now he is seen as the, well, but prior to the, death burial and resurrection he was seen as the um uh you know his sin was buried all of our sin was buried on him and we are seen as spotless like we took on his spotless spotless no blemish nature you know and so i just think it's cool how like you have both parts of it like not only do you have in the old testament the actual sin offering but you have the image of christ taking our sins and us getting his uh righteousness so yeah um you got anything else on this one before we go on to four Uh, all right nope four god also oh what was that Uh, um, oh no wait okay god also gave the israelites as a political body various judicial laws These expired with the state of Israel and make no further obligation on God's people than seems appropriate in contemporary legal codes. Um, I don't think there's really much to say on this one. Just the fact that, you know, God did give the Israelites because when Israel was first formed, it was a theocracy. And so God gave them specific laws like judicial laws and stuff. And I would say that, you know, since we don't fall underneath the Israel government as a political body, I mean, I don't know. You got anything on that one? I don't um, I don't know too much about the, um, the um, Israel's, Israel's governing body, so I can't speak too much on it. Yeah. Yeah, me either. All right. Um, five. The moral law, however does pertain to everyone saved and unsaved forever not just with respect to its content but also in relationship to the authority of god the creator who gave it in the gospel christ does not in any way remove this obligation 
but rather he strengthens it. I, I think that the important thing on that one, two things that stuck out to me was the, um, uh, the moral law does, does pertain to everyone mm-hmm. saved and unsaved. Amen. At first I thought like, well, wait, you know, in the Bible, in Paul says, it says like, who are you to judge like those that are outside of the church? And so at first I was like, wait a second. But then I realized like, there's a difference there because all like the moral law is obligate or is held against us or we're held to that standard because then like we can't keep that standard. So we know that going um, after the, because of the moral law, like Paul says in Romans, we, it's like our schoolmaster. It's like teaches us how sinful we truly are. And so both saved and unsaved fall underneath that. Um, And then the other thing was, is that uh, just how it says uh, Christ does not in any way remove this obligation, but rather strengthen it, strengthens it. And I just think of on the, um, you know, throughout his ministry, but especially in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he talks about, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say that if you look at someone with lust for her, you've already committed adultery with her in her heart. And just, or the Israelites were trying to make um, the uh, law like, they're trying to, they're trying to figure out ways to get around the law, you know, like find the like exact letter and Christ just makes it where like, Mm. I'm not only looking at your actions, but I'm looking at the very thoughts that you're having and everything, you know? Yeah, man, that's, um, just to go back to your first point, you know, man, both, both statements you said were like super powerful. Um, just thinking about, you know, how it applies to everybody, you know, you know, like if you, if you are not saved, then then you are then you're judged under the law, which which is a mm-hmm. really, which is a really scary thing to think about. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like just like how we've been saying, you cannot keep the law at all. You know what I'm saying? Especially since we since we know Christ has strengthened it, it's like you cannot keep this. You know what I'm saying? Because like every single person falls into it. You know. Um, yeah. You know, but it's so amazing that who it's it's so amazing that since God has saved us, we now fall under the law of grace, you know what I'm saying? So like, like that's yeah. like, 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 I don't know what I would do with that grace, you know what I'm saying? Cause I fall short of the law of God all the time, you know, and, you know, and it, and if it wasn't for himself coming to save me, I would surely go to hell, you know? So like, it's just, it's just so, exactly. it's so amazing to know that. Um, yeah. You know, but Christ, mm-hmm. Christ most definitely strengthened the law. Praise God. Because like he really, yeah. he really, he really called for us to be holy. You know what I'm saying? And like, and by doing yep. that, he like really, like, look like, this is, this is what, this is where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? But it's so amazing that he gave us mm-hmm. his spirit. You know what I'm saying? Because his spirit is the one who causes us to walk in his statutes. You know what I'm saying? To be able to be holy the way that he's called us to be holy. So man, like, it's, man, like, we cannot do it at the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, but when he did that, when he strengthened the law, the law, I mean, he uh, he took away the ability for people to try to justify themselves on any means. Because I know that, you know, the Israelites, especially like the Pharisees in the Bible, in the biblical times and everything, really were trying to justify themselves and saying, no, I kept the law. I mean, you think about like the rich young ruler. And he's like, I've done all of those since my youth, right. you know. And so then when when Jesus did that, he uh he made it where like you can't say that. Like there's no way that you can say that you've never 
you know, had a hateful thought about someone or lusted after someone, you know, so, um, but yeah, that's, and then what you said, the other thing that you said there, um, I think six actually flows into that perfectly because you were talking about, um, how we, uh, that are, you know, now we're not under the law of the, like the moral law, but now we're under the law of the spirit. And, um, so six here, and this is a long one, so I'll read it, but we're probably gonna have to break it down. It says, uh, although true believers are not justified or condemned by the law as a covenant of works, the law is nevertheless uh, very useful to them and to others. As a rule of life, it informs them of God's will and of their obligation to obey it. It also reveals to them the sinful pollution of their nature, hearts, and lives. So that examining themselves from its point of view, they may become more convinced of the presence of sin in them, more hum humiliated on account of that sin, and hate sin the more. Thus, they gain a better, better awareness of their need for Christ and for the perfection of his obedience. The prohibit prohibitions against sin in the law are also useful in restraining believers from pursuing the desires of their old nature and the punishments for uh, and the punishments for disobedience in the law show them what their sins deserve and what afflictions they may expect for them in this life, even though they have been freed from the curse threatened in the law. The promises of the law similarly show them that God approves obedience and that blessings may be expected for obedience, mm -hmm. although not as their own, not as their due from the law as a covenant of works. The fact that the law encourages doing good and discourages doing evil does not mean that a person who does good and refrains from evil is under the law and not under grace. I just think, you know, that really explains exactly what you said is that, you know, those who are saved, like we're not under the law of works anymore. We're under the law of grace, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the law of works isn't useful to us nice. and that we can still experience, you know, like I don't remember where it is, but it says that uh, the father will punish us or will discipline us as a, as a father disciplines his son, right? Like in love, he'll discipline us. And, uh, and so we can look at the old Testament law to see these are the things that God wants us to be obedient in. And, um, and when we fail, we can expect, you know, this type of disciplines and stuff. So what was in that? Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just kind of confused about the last sentence. The fact that the law encourages doing good and discourages doing evil does not mean that a person who does good and refrains from evil is under the law and not under grace. So I think that's what that saying is, is that, you know, if you're a believer and you're under grace and then you find yourself like doing uh, a lot of like you're, you become a very moral person, like doing really good. Right. That doesn't mean that now you're like being justified by your law or by the law. I mean, you're still justified entirely by grace, no matter how obedient you are. You are only justified by grace because I would say that um, a better way to look at it would be that 
no matter how obedient you are, you've never once, I don't think any person ever once has perfectly kept the, you know, main commandments of love God and love your neighbors, you know, like nobody's ever done that perfectly. So no no matter how obedient you are, you're still a sinful creature who still has only justified by grace. I think that's what that means. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, because, because as you go deeper in your walk with Christ, you know, God's, God's will is for our sanctification, so, you know, for us to become holy, mm-hmm. for us to be, you know, to walk in obedience, you know. But it's still, but no matter, no matter how obedient we are, we still are going to fall into sin because we're still, we're, we're, we're still in the flesh, you know what I'm saying? So, like, we're still going to fall yeah. time to time. But it's so, you know, like, it's, that's what's great about God. Like, it's so, it's so amazing that even when I do slip, you know, and I repent and I ask for forgiveness, I'm still justified only by grace, not by my works, because, because I believe yeah. in the perfect Christ, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, no other foundation does a person have except for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, I think that this uh, paragraph is really good for reminding us that even though God does want our obedience, um, that like I said a minute ago, that we're no matter how obedient we are, we are we're still saved by grace, yeah. and it's really good for rebuking our pride because right, right, yeah. you know every religion in the world teaches that you have to be good enough for something like that to get like the reward, you know. Yeah. And I think that's an effect of our sinful nature. And I feel like there's a lot of times where people are trying to become so obedient and then they end up sinning in pride and feeling like they're justified by their obedience and they look away from christ and they look back to themselves which of course is sin but of course they don't see it like that because they're because of like pride and everything so this is a really good way to like rebuke that is to remind yourself of this that no matter how obedient you are you still are a sinful creature who needs the grace of god so yeah and um i do like also at the beginning of it you know it says like it's like so since we're under grace the law is our rule of life and then like as we examine it and this is why it's so important you know a lot of people want to like throw out the old testament they say it's not that important or whatever but it says here you know um that as we examine it and examine or sorry as we examine our it from or so examine ourselves from its point of view, we become more convinced of the presence of sin in us. We become more humiliated on account of that sin. And uh, we hate sin the more. And so um, I think that as you do, like, and it's, like I said, like we examine ourselves in light of it. So, cause we can like all day just think that we're sinful. But then when we look through the whole Bible, but especially through like the law, we just more and more are convinced of how sinful we truly are. You know, when you see things, I mean, I think of like, even in Exodus, you see things where uh, somebody, you know, did something that seemed super minor Mm -hmm. and it caused a huge issue, you know, like where all these people got famine and died or, you know, whatever, because of this tiny little, what appears to us, I mean, to be a tiny little sin, it convinces us more and more of how sinful we truly are. 
Yeah. I mean, like, it's, and, 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 like, that's just, like, as you study the Word of God, like, you truly see that, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, you know, and I feel like that really goes with, you know, like, depending more and more on God every day because God, God reveals to you how sinful you are, you know what I'm saying, by the law and then just through revelation. Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing, you know, you know, which I feel like at times we can we can take it in a bad way, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I love um yeah. I love the verse um it's in Psalm one thirty nine that says, you know, search me, O Lord, you know, and um see in the grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. So he's doing that. He's he's searching us and then pointing out yeah. to us the things that we struggle with, but it's for him to then come in and by his strength and power to give us power over that sin, you know what I'm saying? To give us, you know, to to yeah. to provide that way of escape, you know. But but as you grow deeper in Christ, God is gonna show you the area that you're struggling and it's it's painful at times, I can't lie, you know, but it's a good thing to know that you you don't depend on yourself. God is God is our dependency. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Because um uh you were saying that about the uh Psalm one thirty nine you know, examine me and everything and then lead me in the way of righteousness. And I think one thing that I've struggled with a lot is, you know, the thought of like, oh, God knows my sin. If I just say like, God, I confess my sin to you, please forgive me. You know, a lot of times I felt like, okay, you know, I confess my sin. But like, as you're just saying, like, he's saying, search me and then lead me in the way of righteousness. And he, through his Holy Spirit, is like revealing those um, sins to you individually. And I think it's really important to actually con- like uh, confess those sins one by one. Because uh, as you do that, first of all, I think that like, God knows what they are already. But as you confess them, like speaking them yes. helps you to be more like broken about it. But then also it, a lot of times, for me at least, as I sit there and start to confess my sins... Um, as I'm speaking them, it'll remind me of more ways that I've fallen short of the glory of God. Right. And so, um, I think it's just really good for that. Like being like asking the Holy spirit to search you and then to reveal any sins so that you can, uh, confess them individually. And then it just reminded me of in Romans seven, you know, Paul says, uh, and it's crazy to think like Paul, like the like almost super apostle we think about, you know, like yeah. he wrote a third of the New Testament and all that. And he says, you know, I know this law of God, but my flesh serves another law. So even though with my mind, I serve God with my flesh, I serve sin. And then he says, uh, I do not do the thing that I want to do. Oh, the sinful man that I am. And it's just crazy to think like Paul is struggling with that you know and he sees he looks at the law and sees his how sinful he is so we in the same way should be looking at the law to see how sinful we are you know so all right um number seven says none of the uses of the law is contrary to the grace of the gospel they rather beautifully comply with it because the spirit of christ subdues and enables the will of man to do voluntarily and cheerfully what the will of God revealed in the law requires to be done. 
I just I think that I like how they worded that the yeah. uh, they rather beautifully comply comply with it. So it's like the law of the moral law uh, doesn't go against the gospel, but it's like a it's like they beautifully complement each other. They are not complement, but the the law. Yeah. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like if you see a um if you see like a field of flowers you know like a whole field just of like brand new bloomed uh poppies or something like that mm. it's pretty you know yeah. but if you take that if you take that and you uh compare it or you take one of those lilies and it's growing in the middle of a black and burnt field you know it looks way prettier because it's set against this the background of that burnt you know and i kind of think of it like that like the law um shows us the beauty of grace you know yeah you know and like there's a thing about that you know because grace 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 also strengthens us to you know to do the will of god you know what i'm saying like grace grace yep. helps us to keep on rolling you know what i'm saying because because even though we sin and we fall short God could easily, you know, just just kill us, you know what I'm saying? Then because of not being obedient, because of mm-hmm. not doing his will, but instead he shows us love, he shows us compassion and grace. And then it's like, dang, God loves me. Father, help me to start living. Help me by your spirit to start obeying what you called me to do. And then by his grace, man, he does mm-hmm. it. He's like, dang, like I remember the man I was last year and I think about the man of God I am now, you know what I'm saying? It, it's only because of grace. It's only because of mercy that I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? And it's because of his yep. patience. Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what, you know, the second half of that, it says, um, it subdues the will of man to do voluntarily and cheerfully what the will of God requires. And I was just thinking when it says subdues and uh, enables, I think of it kind of like, almost like when you get, if you had a wild horse and you bridle it, put a put a uh a um a saddle on it and then get on it you know the first time it's like really rough and everything but then it gets it ends up being subdued and then it ends up like like horses that have been ridden for a long time and stuff they love going out and being ridden and it's kind of the same thing where we start off with this just will that's wild and and evil really you know and god is able to bridle us and bring and and teach us subdue our will and then it gets to the point where we actually delight to do the law of god because of the gospel so yeah Man, like, that's it. you got any final oh go ahead oh, no, um, that's a really great analogy you know what i'm saying i like, just like you know like, like how like we now love to do the will of god because now because now we realize how just how just how amazing it is how beneficial it is not only to us but but to people around us, you know what I'm saying? Like for us to have, mm-hmm. for us to have that freedom, for us to have that protection and that love, and now we yeah. can go out into the world and spread it out. You know, so people can, people can have it as well, man. So it, it's amazing, man. Like, that was great. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, do you? Oh, are you there still? I, Did I lose you? No. Okay. All right. Um, so that was that for that. Uh, do you have any like just final words about the whole chapter or anything? Uh, 
I mean, like one thing I say, um, one thing I say, you know, um, it says in the word, it says that his commandments are not burdensome, you know, so they're not meant to be a burden to us, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and it's hard, you know, like whenever you first start living for Christ, it's hard even in the middle, it, it's hard even in your prison walk because, you know, like, because as you, as you, as you grow deeper in God, the attacks of Satan are going to become even fiercer, you know, like even stronger, you know, yep. so it's so, yeah. so it's so important to, to pray, you know, you know, you know, I think about Psalm 119, you know, so like to pray and then ask God to give you strength and the desire to yep. love his word, to love him, you know, so, so, so that in the, in the day of testing, in the day of that fiery trial, you be like, Lord, I love your word. I love you. I want to do what you call me to do, no matter how I feel, no matter what's coming against me. So, and just, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, with that, with the prayer thing, uh, do you want to just pray real quick about this and just, uh, you know, for any prayer requests? Yeah, man. And so if you just want to start off and then I can just close us in prayer real quick. Okay, yeah, it sounds like a plan. Um, All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I'll be coming out to tell you thank you, Lord God. Thank you for allowing us to the to first fellowship, Lord God. You know, me and Al get to get to talk about how good you are, get to talk about how perfect your word is, get to talk about how perfect you are and all the amazing things that you've done for us in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for being there for us every step of the way, Lord God. And and Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that your people, myself included, we all just fall in love with you. We fall in love with your word, Lord God, and then we seek you. We 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 just meditate on your word day and night, Lord God, that we long for your word. We long for the truth that is your word, God. And help us to understand your law. Help us to be obedient to your law by your Holy Spirit. And help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us not to show any partiality, and, and help us not to put anybody above you, Lord. Father, forgive us of all of our sins. We love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name. And Father, thank you. Thank you that you put us together, uh, Keith and I, that we were able to have this conversation. and. Thank you for the technology that allows us to do that, that we are able to, on opposite sides of the world, sit here and have this conversation. And then to be able to record it and be able to put it out there for other people to be uh, enabled or be uh, uplifted by it and encouraged. And God, I just pray, it says you said in your word that you're, or you said in the Bible, I mean, that your word does not go out without accomplishing its purpose. So we just pray that whoever does listen to this uh, podcast, that it would accomplish its purpose god i pray for keith that you would keep him safe over there in turkey keep him focused on you and that as he goes throughout the rest of his life or through the rest of you know his time there in turkey and going forward that he would continue to realize that you are his mission in life and that no matter where he is and for each of us me included that we are on mission for you where we are God, thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world and that your church is a universal church and that we that are called by your name are your body 
and that we're built up together. God, thank you for who you are. And God, I know like, like it says in, like Paul says in Romans seven, that I'm a sinful person and uh, that I do not do the things that I want to do because I want to obey your law, but I find myself sinning day in, day out. And thank you for your law that, that is a schoolmaster that shows us the way of righteousness. God, forgive us all for our sins. Cleanse us from our trespasses. Bring us back to right relationship with you every day. Give us a new measure of grace, a new baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in your way and do your will every day. God, keep us strong in the uh, means of grace, that we'd stay strong in our Bible reading and our prayer, and that we would not forsake the fellowship of believers, but that we would be in a church and that we'd be active and participating in that local body. And that local body would be preaching your word faithfully. And I pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Hey, thanks Keith. And hopefully we can do this again sometime, huh? Oh yeah, man. Anytime you want to do it, I'm always down. Thank you for the opportunity. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Keith. Have a good one, huh? Hey, hey, buddy, you too. Yep, bye.